0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It is a Friday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Brian Brown coming at you with another jam-packed episode as always because why wouldn't you want your episodes packed with jam? I don't know. We're going to talk about a couple different things. Big news breaking yesterday as Pello Larson has entered his name into the transfer portal. We're going to talk about why that could be a crushing defeat should he choose to leave the University of Utah. Will he actually leave or is he just poking around a little bit? We'll also hear more from Michelle Bodkin as she and I recap the spring ball game, the red and white game from the University of Utah, and talk a little bit about what we think might happen as the team moves into the fall in a couple different positions. As always, talking with Michelle is the best part of anybody's day, and it was especially mine. So I try to get out of the way and just let her cook, so to speak. All that coming up here on the Friday episode it's the end of the week, the end of the month. I made it. I made it. This is the Locked On News podcast for April 30th, 2021. To today's episode of the Locked On Youths podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown coming at you live from the Bear Cave. Thank you, my Utah friends and family, for joining me today for a week ending, month ending episode with some breaking news from yesterday. Unfortunately not the best of news If you're a University of Utah basketball fan As Pella Larson Has entered his name into the transfer portal The Overarching theme of this Is that it doesn't seem to be A definite decision from Larson There is a possibility That he may Remove his name from the portal Uh, That is pretty Probably dependent on what he hears from coaches and in this modern day, I think the difficulty with guys entering into the portal, especially a guy who is going through a regime change and a coaching change, I don't know that you can necessarily be absolute with the kind of rhetoric that we've heard from Coach Smith and I, I think he's kind of made that point too with how he's he's interacted and brought back some of the players These guys have to have the opportunity to look around when there's a coaching change made. I don't think it's very fair to players to just say, hey, you committed to this school, you committed to this coach, we've decided to make a change. You can no longer make a change if you'd like to as well. You just have to stick with it. And so it does behoove Pella Larson to... Have some conversations To be able to have those conversations Without fear of retribution Or punishment from the NCAA Which at this point in time Is doing more to punish athletes Than they are coaches And the programs that are running it They're doing more to punish the guys That are actually making the money And everything like that for the NCAA Than they are the people who are in charge So in, in, in that vein I do understand where Larson is coming through Coming from, I should say, entering his name into the transfer portal, where I think this becomes a definite issue is that Larson has now been at the University of Utah under Coach Smith for almost a month. They've had workouts there. He's been able to experience what what the program is like uh, for the most part under Coach Smith. And him making this choice at this point after hearing that he was more or less on board to stay at the University of Utah is... Nerve wracking a little bit I don't know that it's necessarily a sign of things to come With Coach Smith I, I don't think it's it's uh, The one point that we should be judging him Based off of It's very early and, and yes all the standard nomenclature applies here We do need to wait to see what happens with the roster We do need to wait to see what happens with the season It is still all very early in the process We do need to watch what happens with recruiting and everything like that. I think it's far too early to make any judgments about the staff. And I've been very vehement in my belief that we need to give Coach Smith and the rest of the group time to really put things together. This is becoming a complete and total rebuild. This is no longer just interchanging some parts. It's been a full house cleaning, and I believe a lot of that comes from the athletic department overall, not necessarily just Coach Smith and his crew. But because Larson is choosing to enter the portal at this point in time, it does make you nervous uh, because he is more than more than likely the best player that Utah had left on the roster. He had, as Jake and I talked about this week, he was the most likely to make a jump and become a an alpha scorer or an alpha guy. I think his potential is... is Very visible with his athletic ability, his ability to handle. I think he integrated well into what Coach Kraskowiak in the previous regime wanted to do on offense. I don't necessarily believe that it fit his skill set so well. He seems to me to be the kind of guy who works best in a pick and roll, which I think he could do really well with Brandon Carlson. And Carlson's ability to spot up and shoot and hit those outside shots really could have made it a dynamic combo uh, and I don't think we ever got to see Pelo Larson fully showcase his skill set and his ability He has tremendous potential to take guys off the dribble And to be an explosive scorer I, I truly believe that And so him entering the portal is, is a risky situation I don't think there's another player in the portal right now That Utah could go and get to replace The type of potential in the ceiling that Pelo Larson has Having said all that the prevailing thought, again, is that Larson has a few schools in mind and a few opportunities th- where he wants to investigate in. And that does give Utah some hope and some potential to maybe get him back in the fold and possibly bring him back from the portal. I think it's it's a worthwhile conversation for Coach Smith to have to re-recruit him, even though Pella wants the opportunity to talk to other staffs. I just don't think this is a time where you want to dig your heels in and make uh, make an example of a player who is just trying to look out for themselves. We've not heard anything about Larson being a malcontent for all accounts and for all purposes. He's been nothing but a consummate team player. He, he's invested in everything. He's invested in the team. He's invested in the university. He's followed the rules and and everyone that I've talked to has, has nothing but positive things to say about him and his game speaks for itself. You know, it speaks for itself. He was a very good three point shooter. His overall percentages were also very positive. Uh, I don't know that we ever saw a full E like an emergent game from him where he just came out and dominated. Like we all sort of hoped he would. But at the same time, I do think that he was most likely the guy to come back and really lead this team from the currently assembled players. I don't know that there's a player that the Utes have brought in through the portal already that can replace him. Uh, But at this point in time, you kind of have to let him do his thing and hope that whatever he finds out there is not exactly... uh, as good a situation as he has with Utah. That being said, this now suddenly places the University of Utah basketball team squarely in the crosshairs of being in a rebuild, and to an extent, it probably forces the coaching staff to scramble a little bit. They had a really nice core to build around. That core has been been significantly decimated. Boy, I am just having a hard time with the English language today. It has been significantly decimated now if Larson does choose to leave. And they will have to scramble to find some sort of situation to replace the the loss potential. And again, I don't know that the production is all that big of a loss. But you're losing a 46% three-point shooter in Larson. You're losing a good plus defender. And on this team, he was the kind of player that his versatility, his ball handling... His wing defense, all that kind of stuff would have been a major asset to a team that seems to be building into shooting and defense. And I think his athleticism and his versatility really would have made this team uh, much, much better on the defensive end, without a doubt, but also on the offensive end. Plus, he's coming back with some experience, and the system should fit him well. That is one thing that I do really believe Coach Smith does well is he finds the right system to fit his players as opposed to just forcing players into a system. And all this coming together just makes for a little bit of a sour taste after what's for the most part been a pretty positive changing of the guard up at the University of Utah, at the head coach position. What does Utah go do now going forward? I think Tristan Clark I think Stephon Morris are two guys that they absolutely need to lock down as as much as they possibly can. Uh, it remains to be seen if, if that will happen Utah has pursued plenty of players in the transfer portal they've made plenty of inquiries uh, Kirk Koath who ended up Declaring to or committing to Marquette was a guy that they chased after pretty hard. Uh, so at this point in time, we're just kind of in a wait-and-see mode to, to find out what happens with Pella and also to hear what happens with those two transfers. If Utah is able to get Stefan Morrison uh, and or Tristan Clark, that could be a major difference maker uh, because those are two very talented, bigger, big men. Uh, Clark is six eight. Uh, or Clark is 6'10 and, and Morris is 6'8. So that really inc- increases the front court depth. And I think you can probably get by in the back court with what Utah's brought in with Wooster and Marco Anthony on the roster, in addition to David Jenkins, while also having Ryland Jones there. Jackson Brenchley seems to be a guy that's found favor with the new coaching staff. We'll have to wait and see what his impact can be. But this is a net negative development for the University of Utah. And so fingers crossed for Utah fans and and for myself as well because I tremendously enjoyed watching Pella Larson play. Aside from making all the dumb puns and the Pellivator and the Pellivation and all that kind of stuff, he truly was a player that I really enjoyed watching. I have very high hopes for his game going forward. I think he is loaded with potential, and I think we got to see a little bit of it uh, not nearly as much as li- likely he has to offer uh, last season. And I do. I did have s- strong hopes that this new coaching staff could bring a little bit more out of that. Uh, they are a lot more progressive in a lot of respects than the previous staff. So here's hoping that as Larson looks around, he decides that the, there's no place like uh, his new home in Salt Lake City and returns to the program. Because if not, we're going to have a lot to discuss in terms of how Utah can replace the production of Pello Larson. Today's episode of the Locked On News podcast is brought to you by Locked On Today, our Locked On Network daily podcast with all the sporting news that you need in under 20 minutes. Host Peter Bukowski does a great job with that. It is how I tend to start out my day every single day. I take my walk. I listen to Locked On Today. I get my news from the previous uh, day's events. And then uh, that way I feel informed. So when people come at me on Twitter, I don't look like an idiot. Oh, that's right. I look like an idiot anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But it is, nevertheless, the best way to start your day. And if you're going to keep your day going and and keep those good vibes going, the best way to do that is to go to betonline.ag and lay down a little cheddar. If you didn't have a great time last night following all the prop bets, There is always tonight for the NFL draft. If the NFL draft isn't your thing, the Kentucky Derby is back this weekend as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins. There's also NBA, MLB, NHL, and of course UFC and MMA is always rolling. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information. It's all there. It's well laid out. It's easy to find. You get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Picking up where we left off yesterday with the amazing, the magnificent, the marvelous Michelle Bodkin Talking about spring football, you'll hear me talking a little bit about how gymnastics is not my cup of tea Because of scoring purposes, but football is And then we get deep into exactly what we saw and what we liked in the spring game From the University of Utah, the red and white game, all the way back in April 17th So tune in, enjoy Thank you as always to Michelle for joining me on the podcast. Well, it's definitely something that I like to follow from afar. As as I mentioned, gymnastics Twitter is not my my thing. And I hate, I hate the fact that I can see something and see the the incredible athleticism that these girls display. And, and somebody's like, oh yeah, that's a perfect 10. And you get a, like you said, a nine, nine, seven, five. That will frustrate me to no end, but that's just because I've always been a scoreboard. Kind of guy, and the reason for that is football. We're going to transition into football. Talk a little bit about spring ball here. You were at the stadium. How did it feel? Number one, being back at Rice Eccles and and being, you know, actually seeing a game in person again.
0: Oh my gosh, it was like being home. It was kind of weird not doing really the press end of it. Uh, if anyone happened to see this weird girl in the stands with a notepad taking notes, that was me <laughs> and, and with my highlighted roster, <laughs> that, that was me. Uh, yeah. So I, it, it was interesting being amongst the fans cause I have not like physically sat in the stands for anything like that since like 2014. So it's, it's been a long, long time, but it was so great. I mean, it was such a beautiful day outside. It was, you know, great to spend time with my family. That's something that they love to do. It was great to see, you know, some of these guys live that we were watching last year from afar. Uh, it was great seeing some of the new toys that I hate calling them toys, but I mean that I, that's almost what you have to equate it to. It's like get opening your new presents on Christmas day, seeing what some of these guys can do after, you know, hearing what allegedly they could do all spring and, you know, just trying to rely on, you know, your, your contacts, people, people that actually do get to see some of these things. Uh, and trusting, you know, that they're not feeding you a bunch of crap. And, and that I think was probably the most exciting thing about watching that spring game is I had been in contact with people. I don't, haven't really talked a whole lot about, or, you know, talked about what I've heard or, you know, what people have been telling me, but sitting there watching it, I was like, wow, like, this is like really matching up to everything that I've been told. Like, and, and matching up to my expectations, too, because I, I think when you work in this, even if you can't get the full access that you're used to, if you follow it closely enough, if you've watched it closely enough, you can kind of make some inferences as to what you think will end up happening, and it just, it all lined up. I think there's some potential with this 2021 squad, and You know, we'll, we'll see how it all comes together. We'll see what happens when bullets actually are flying as cliche as that is to say, but there was a lot of promise in that spring game. And there, there are a lot of reasons to be very happy and very optimistic, not only for 2021, but you know, for probably the next two or three years at the very least.
1: Without a doubt. And I think, again, it goes back to just how things are going to play out because of the COVID year and the the eligibility freeze. But I think there's some depth at at positions that Utah uh, probably has that they haven't had in years past. I think one of those is the quarterback position. What did you think of Charlie Brewer Mm -hmm. and going forward? You know, you were there at practice with Steve and I when we were watching the the early moments of Cam Rising. And obviously – there's been some development since then. What do you think of Charlie Brewer and, and what do you think is going to be, you know, the, I guess the, the roadmap for the fall with those two?
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's so exciting. Uh, it, it's one of those things I was on Sean O'Connell's show, uh, like a couple of days before the spring game. And, you know, he was asking, how much sense does it make to bring in a guy that's only going to be here for a year when presumably camera the immediate future. And for me, I think it was the smartest thing that Utah could have done. If Charlie Brewer really ends up being who they think he is, and it sh- sure looks like it is because on one hand, you Okay, Cam, Cam wins it in fall, you know, and he's the guy and you continue on with him. Well, you now have a very, very capable backup that you're probably not really going to miss a beat if injuries happen and injuries will happen. It's just, it's inevitable, inevitable. You need to have that backup. On the flip side, if it's Charlie, it gives Cam another year in the system to kind of develop it makes him not have to rush back from an injury so fast. It gives him more time his body to heal up. I mean, even if he gets the clearance to play, right? It, it can't hurt to give them more time if he can be afforded more time. And on the other hand, a very capable backup and things you know, shouldn't slide or go sideways if they have to play cam or go with cam. So to me, it's, it's about shoring up your cards and, and making sure that you're playing a good hand. And I think you taught it a very, very good job based off of the little bit that we've seen of Cam and also the little bit that we've seen of Charlie. And obviously he wasn't live. You know, there were some things that were a little bit make believe and, and he probably would have been sacked a couple of times but you also have to realize well he wasn't playing behind the the offensive line that he'd be playing behind. So so there's a few things that were a little wonky and weird, but you have to like what you saw really from both aspects and and it it just it looks good.
1: It does and I think the part about Charlie Brewer that really stood out to me is is the Style with which he plays is perfectly integrated to what Kyle Whittingham wants, where he's repetitively accurate. He's making the right reads. He's not going above his ability. And I think that was one thing about Tyler Huntley that was always kind of in conflict is I think they wanted Tyler to play like he did his final year every single year. and Tyler's natural instinct was to go for the big hits. And so I think, that's where Charlie Brewer, I feel like may have the advantage as he goes into the fall camp is that he just has that ability to make those the right, the right throws, the safe throws, everything like that. And I know they love his, uh, his accuracy. Uh, it was nice to see that, like, in, you know, physical form, because I think last year felt like fools go gold, where Kyle would talk about the quarterbacks looked great. And then Jake Bentley shows up and it's a big disconnect between practice and and games. So I'm not going to blame Jake Bentley for anything like that, Mm -hmm. but it did feel a little bit like we were misled. And and in some respects, I think for me, I'd always thought that cam rising was going to be the starter just based on what I'd seen. And then I started to hear hear things differently. And I was like, that doesn't necessarily drive with what I heard. Kind of like you said, where it's like, I hear things, I need to verify it with my eyes first. But uh, another (laughs) thing that I think, about this team that's going to be really fascinating is, is we've talked about ad nauseum with wide receiver position, and, and that's obviously a work in progress, but I think the running back position and what happens there is really going to be the fascinating thing because I, I wonder if they're going to have a lead back emerge or if it really is going to be a three-way system throughout the fall. What do you think about what you saw from that position and, and what you might expect from them going into the fall?
0: I think it's a little hard to say exactly what's going to happen come fall. And it's because we really didn't see a whole lot from Micah Bernard. And I think that was purely by design. And I think that aspect of the spring game has been a little bit overlooked. Everybody's, you know, been talking about how great TJ Pledger and Chris Curry have looked and they did. They, they looked fantastic. They are capable backups, not even backups. They're Capable players, and you know those those were definitely some home run pickups. And I think the whole purpose was to give people a little bit of a taste of what they picked up to replace what was so unfortunately lost in uh, Ty Jordan. And, and, and I know that there was a lot of concern and worry there about that, you know, who who's going to kind of fill in those gaps, plus some of the transfers out because Ty had won the job and, you know, people decided that they needed to go and find playtime elsewhere, which was totally not a wrong decision on their part at the time, you know, like who would have known. But on the other hand, again, we didn't see much from Micah Bernard. And I I think a large part of that was it was about showcasing the new guys. It was about showcasing Charlie Brewer's arm. It was about seeing the two new running backs that they brought into the program. Whereas we've seen a tiny bit of what Micah can do. And so, you know, any kind of improvements he's made – I kind of feel like they maybe wanted to keep that a little bit under wraps. And so, you know, he caught a couple of passes. He ran a little bit, but like it was nothing crazy impressive. But if you remember what he did in the couple of touches that he got in 2020 in actual games, like he looked good. And I know that he's really worked on his body. And so it will be really interesting to see how he actually factors into that because we again did not get to see very much of him in the spring game and I fully suspect that was by design. I, I don't think they necessarily wanted to play that hand right out the bat.
1: For sure I, I think some of it was the fact that like you mentioned he was running behind an offensive line that actually had uh, Braden Daniels playing center and a walk-on and a true <laughs> freshman next to him so I think some of what you're drawing from watching that probably needs, needs to be t- tempered, like you said. Um, yeah. The ones that really interest me is, is just how they're going to use uh, Bernard and, and TJ Pledger going forward, because both of them, like you mentioned, uh, can catch the ball going out of the backfield. And, and I think the thing about Chris Curry that really caught me off guard, because I'd watched some tape of him, he is a lot more explosive than I expected. And yeah. I think that had Utah fans really excited.
0: I, I would say out of the three, he was the one that excited me the most, just because not only was he, you know, throwing bodies in the graveyard, so to speak, but he, he also had some quickness and, and a little bit of a twitch to him, which I wasn't fully expecting. I knew he was a bruiser. I think everybody kind of knew he was a bruiser. But it, it was a little bit of a quick step. But then, like you mentioned, you know, Bernard and uh, uh, Pledger, they, they both have a little more, I would say, finesse to their game. They're, they're, they're not going to necessarily kill a dude per se, but they're going to make them look really, really silly, whether it's they, they juke them or they catch a pass and they run a route that, you know, whoever cannot keep up with. And so there's there's some exciting possibilities and and I think we all know Utah likes those running backs that can that can do a little bit of air that can catch a pass that can block that can you know plow through someone be patient find the gap and and explode through that. So there there's some interesting possibilities there. There's there's some interesting lightning thunder combos that they could really work with there and you know we haven't even talked about the potential of uh, playing Jaquindon Jackson too in, in some packages, which possibly adds a completely other dynamic to, to the, those three running backs.
1: It does. And and that was one thing we really didn't see from Charlie Brewer either is just his elusive ability. And I think you mentioned it, that there were some plays that could have been classified as sacks, but they also could have been classified as big time losses on the defensive side of the football, because he is really elusive and is, is an explosive runner, which I'm sure is going to surprise a lot of people. Cause he's, he's a little bit smaller and he didn't really get mm-hmm. out of the pocket a lot in the spring game. I, I think as you mentioned, everything was by design without a doubt, but Utah yeah. definitely has candidates that can run. We saw it with, with JJ, we saw it with Peter Costelli who has that big mm-hmm. time, hundred meter speed and, and, uh, you know, Cam Rising is really fun to watch run the football. I know that we haven't been able to see him do that much. Um, but as things start to get back to normal, I hope that that does get exposed a little bit to to the common Utah fan. We'll have more with Michelle Bodkin after this, but I wanted to interrupt for a good reason, and that's your nutrition. Yes, it's that time of the episode where we talk about Built Bar and how delicious Built Bar is. I just re-upped my order for the Coconut Brownie Crumble. If you did not get any, let me know and I will readily laugh in your face because it is without a doubt my favorite flavor of the Built Bar. But the good news is there's a new flavor available for a limited time only. That's Mocha Love. You can get that on the website right now. In addition to the other 18 amazing flavors of Built Bar, I've tried them all. There are very few that I've ever thought to myself, like, eh, okay, maybe that one couldn't go. In fact, I think if I were to rank them all, I would rank them all ahead of any of the other bars on the market, without a doubt, because they are so delicious. But even better, they're made of the right stuff. Whey protein, up to 18 grams per bar. Less than 5 grams of sugar for most bars. Some of the best flavors you can find, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, uh, coconut almond that tastes just like an almond joy. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the double chocolate, sneaky good flavor, along with the orange. If you want to get real buck, you can cut them in half and mix and match. That's something that I've done before, made a little mini Bill Bar Sandwich. They are delicious. They are nutritious. And you can get 15% off with promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next purchase. That's everything on the Built Bar website. It's the best deal out there. So go get your Built Bars and let's get healthy, fam. As we kind of wrap this thing up, your overall impression as the team as they go into the fall and, and what your expectation is for the fall season.
0: I, I expect them to be one of the top dogs in the South. Now there are, there's a couple of question marks. I, I think the South's going to be really hard. Uh, it's, you know, it's really going to come down to what does USC do? Do they finally live up to their potential, which, you know, it feels like every year we talk about, Oh, this is the year they're, they're going to be really hard. And then, They somehow manage to implode every season. And so, you know, do do they finally live up to the talent level that they bring in? If they do, that's going to be a real big challenge for Utah. And and trust me, Utah can probably match up with them. They've proven time and again with lesser talent, so to speak, that, that they can, in fact, go toe to toe with those guys. But it just makes it more challenging if USC is bringing their A game. Then you have to look at ASU. I, Jaden Daniels is going to be a little more experienced. They have, you know, they've brought in some wide receivers, including Brian Thompson, which, you know, is going to kill Ute fans if, if he has a breakout year. And it sounds like he did really well in their spring game. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that all develops. Uh, if they have an offensive line that can compete and and keep Jaden on the ground and not on his back. Like it, you know, those things could really make for an interesting time. And then you also have to kind of keep an eye on UCLA. Chip Kelly should hopefully be established by now. I, you would think again, and they can bring in talent too. So, you know, do some of these people live up to their talent and, You know, what kind of disasters happen, who stays healthier, like all of that stuff determines who comes out on top. And so I like Utah's chances. I think they're going to have a really good squad. I think they are very motivated that you don't bring three guys back that could have gone to the NFL draft this year if they didn't feel like they could compete and play and win at a high level. And finish a job. And I think especially finish it for a fallen teammate and, and let's make no mistake. Teams that win big that go far, they almost always have something to play for. And a fallen teammate is one of the best reasons to play your heart out and leave it all on the field. And So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how all those things come together. Do, do they mesh well? Do they, do they become that family? And it kind of sounds like they're on their way to doing that, but you know, proof's in the pudding. And we we're probably not going to really fully know what this team is until we see them take the field in 2021. So I like their odds, but we shall see.
1: It's gonna be a fun season regardless. And I think it's gonna be a lot more competitive than people realize. But that should favor Utah because this is a program that's built on competitiveness and dealing with it and handling adversity, like you mentioned. And and I do think that as the COVID restrictions are starting are starting to go down and Utah can get back to more of what they've always done, that just helps it to increase uh, you know, increase the odds of them being able to perform well. Uh I'm going to let you go, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, We're going to have you on as much as possible moving forward. Uh, It's good to get your perspective and an opinion on things. As you mentioned, one of the longer running now uh, sort of beat reporters in the market. So congratulations on that. You're officially old. Oh,
0: yeah. Yay. Yay, me. I'm old. Yay. Yay. But no, I thank you anytime, you know, you know, I got you friend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We go back to, uh, to different, different days for sure. Wearing different colors, but similar, uh, familiar circumstances and, and scenes for sure. So thanks again, Michelle. Appreciate it. Uh, Again, Michelle Bodkin, you can find all of her work at utone.com. She does phenomenal work. Some of the best, uh, long form and, and, you know, profile pieces, in the market without a doubt. So thank you Michelle. All right, that was Michelle Bodkin from Ute Zone, a good friend of mine, one of the long-time reporters in the market having covered University of Utah athletics specifically gymnastics and football, one of the uh one of the smartest, most knowledgeable reporters out there. You can find all of her stuff available at utezone.com. Uh her Twitter handle is at Bodkin247Sports, if you want to follow her there. Best come correct, though, my girl suffers zero fools on Twitter. Just a quick update as we close out the show. Action this weekend, obviously, softball has a four-game homestand against UCLA. Baseball is on the road at Arizona to take on the Wildcats. Lacrosse will honor their four seniors in the season finale at Ute Field. That's against Robert Morris. That game will start at 11 a.m. at Ute Field. I do believe that there are tickets available. You'll need to go to utahutes.com to find out more. That's it for me. Thanks for joining me this week as... We have completed another week here on the Locked On Utes podcast, and in another month, as we transition into May, we have lots of fun things in store to you. A little bit more off season content. We're going to do some some historical reviews and try and get a few more guests on the show. So if you have suggestions, always get at us at Locked On Utes on Twitter, at Brown SLC for me, at Jacob C. Hatch for Jake. Always send us an email, lockedonutes at gmail.com. Thank you so much for following us on whatever your favorite podcast platform is, for subscribing, for rating, for reviewing, for giving us those five-star reviews. We love them. We like them. We uh, we appreciate them. And I wish you all a great weekend. As always, be well, stay well, do well. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for Friday, April 30th, 2021. We'll talk to you again on Monday.